Good morning. Today's reading is part of a longer discourse in Deuteronomy, an updating of the law for the Israelite community as the people wait to enter the promised land. Here Moses assures the people that God will continue to guide them through prophets who will proclaim the divine word. A reading from Deuteronomy. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. That is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God anymore or ever again see this great fire, I will die. Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who, or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. The word of the Lord. The psalm today is read responsively. Hallelujah, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. Great are your works, O Lord, pondered by all who delight in them. Majesty and splendor mark your deeds, and your righteousness endures forever. You cause your wonders to be remembered. You are gracious and full of compassion. You give food to those who fear you, remembering forever your covenant. You have shown your people the power of your works in giving them the lands of the nations. The works of your hands are faithfulness and justice. All of your precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever because they are done in truth and equity. You sent redemption to your people and commanded your covenant forever. Holy and awesome is your name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who practice this have a good understanding. God's praise endures forever. Paul is concerned about the way some Corinthian Christians use their freedom in Christ as license to engage in non-Christian behavior that sets a damaging example to other impressionable believers. Christians have a responsibility to each other that their behavior does not cause another to sin. A reading from 1 Corinthians. Now concerning food sacrificed to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge, but anyone who loves God is known by him. Hence, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that no idol in the world really exists, and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, 
as in fact there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom all things and for whom, all, for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge. Since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, they still think of the food they eat as food offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not bring us closer to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if others see you who possess knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, might they not, since their conscience is weak, be encouraged to the point of eating food sacrificed to idols? So by your knowledge, those weak believers for whom Christ died are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their, wound their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of their falling, I will never eat meat, so that I may not cause one of them to fall. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus and the disciples went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come out to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were um, all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The gospel of the Lord praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. <clears throat> So it was the first day at school. The students were all in their seats waiting for the new teacher to start. The teacher stands up and says, whoever in here thinks they are stupid, please stand up. The students looked at each other and finally one boy stood up. Do you think you're stupid? Asked the teacher. No said the little boy, but I didn't want you standing there alone.
I know there's a lot of teachers out there. I know you'd appreciate that one. <clears throat> so Jesus teaches with authority. He comes teaching and uh, ends up healing, or in Mark, casting out spirits. I've often thought of this gospel as so dramatic, and I would love at some time to have uh, a drama-minded congregation or to have a high school youth group and act out this, this gospel because it's so dramatic. These evil spirits crying out. Uh, you know, it would be s such an amazing thing. And uh, Mark is like that. Mark's gospel has a lot of drama in it. And Mark doesn't spend a lot of time with words. He wants to describe the power of Jesus who goes to the cross. They say, look, a teaching with authority, with authority, not like the scribes. Now, what were the scribes like? The scribes were probably like me, pretty knowledgeable, you know. Scribes often would say, well, this ancient teacher said this about this text. This ancient teacher said this about this text. Okay? They were kind of like, you know, here are the different views of the Old Testament. They didn't have the Gospels at this time, of course, or the New Testament. So here's what an ancient authority says about this. Jesus, on the other hand, seems to have authority, so much so that the evil spirits listen to him. One of the themes of the Gospel of Mark is that no one knows that Jesus is the Son of God except the evil spirits. No one actually gets it through the Gospel except at the crucifixion where the centurion says, this truly was the Son of God. It's, it's kind of an ironic gospel. And of course, we have Matthew and Luke and John to help round out our view of Jesus. But here Jesus is always casting out demons. What are, you know, what are demons? Now, maybe we would think in the modern, modern terms, you know, that uh, the demons were, you know, were manifested as psychosis or schizophrenic, schizophrenia, you know, he will cast out demons out of a person. Uh, in one of the Gospels we'll have this summer, we'll actually see a man uh, where Jesus casts out the demons and he's left there lifeless. And everybody thinks he's dead, but Jesus comes and picks him up. So we have the, our modern sensibilities, right? We have drugs for that, for treating, for, uh, for treating uh, schizophrenia and psychosis. But, and there's nothing to put down. We should not put down modern forms of healing. But neither should we say, well, they, you know, back in Jesus' day, they didn't know what they were talking about. There's no such thing as evil spirits. We have to look, respect what was going on, what was written back then, and accommodate it for our modern lifestyle. 
Why did Jesus have authority unlike the scribes? Well, we know Jesus knew he was going to the cross. He knew he was going to die. And he was willing to go through it. Someone like that has authority. Someone who knows that he is going to go through a terrible death to accomplish God's will. Someone like that is going to have authority. Back about three years ago uh, in uh, Russia, there was this, this dissident, I don't know if you remember now, he's been in prison for years, Alexei Navalny, and um, Putin didn't know what to do with him because he came back. They tried, they tried to poison him, but he came back. He came back to Russia. That's authority. Now, I'm not saying he's Jesus come back, but that's authority. Someone who's not afraid of being put to death. And, of course, they didn't know what to do with him. It's like the, you know, they were like, well, we don't want to kill this guy because he'll cause an uprising. So they put him away in a prison so that he couldn't be heard, couldn't influence other people. Jesus has this kind of authority. Did you notice when we did the confession and uh, I did the absolution, I said, by his authority, by Jesus' authority, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. It's not by my authority, it's by Jesus' authority. The Apostle Paul in Corinthians talks about, well, first of all, talks about this uh, food sacrifice to idols. You know, what, what's that about? That was a big thing in the first century. Thank God we don't have to deal with that today. But in the book of Revelation, there was condemnation. You were condemned if you ate meat sacrificed to idols. Back then, uh, the only way you could get meat was to go to the festival in town where all meat was sacrificed to the emperor or to one of the gods. And the apostle Paul says, well, we know there's no other god but God. So apparently Christians were going. And Paul says this in Romans. He says it's okay to eat meat sacrificed idols because there are no idols. There's no gods but God. So um, in, in 1 Corinthians, he makes this exception. He says, you know, there are people who don't understand don't have the knowledge that you have, the sophistication. Like, we're sophisticated. We know there's really no other gods besides God. But Paul says, you know, there are some people who, who don't have that knowledge, don't have that sophistication. And he says, knowledge puffs up. You know what that means? Knowledge puffs up. You know, it makes us feel like we're really good, right? Right? But love builds up. Love builds up. And the Apostle Paul in Corinthians is about that. You guys, he says to the church in Corinth, you have so many gifts. You know, you have knowledge, you have the gift of speaking in tongues and all, all these gifts, but you don't have love. And it's love that, that builds up the community. That's what you need. Love builds up. Knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. That's something for us to remember.
So the scribes apparently had the knowledge that puffs up. They liked to be uh, acknowledged, so to speak. They liked to be like, oh, Sir Scribe, so-and-so, oh, what a, what a brilliant guy he is. And, you know, there's something in all of us, I think, that would like to be, be acknowledged as an expert, right? It's like, oh, that guy really knows his stuff. The scribes were puffed up. Jesus was about love, the love of self-sacrifice. Jesus had the authority. The Old Testament lesson talks about the prophet who will be drawn from your own people. And we have to remember that Jesus came from Israel, right? We cannot be anti-Semitic because Jesus was a Jew himself. Someone will come from your own tribe who will speak the truth. He will speak with authority, just like Moses. Jesus gives us, the church, the authority. The authority to teach, the authority to be to the world, uh, to bring knowledge to the world, But it shouldn't be knowledge that puffs up. And that's the problem, I think, with a lot of Christians. You know, they get puffed up. They want to look down on others. They want to point the finger and say, you know, those people over there are that person. I'm not like that person. That's that's being puffed up. That's not sharing love. Love like Jesus, his his authority is given to us when we love. When we love our neighbor as ourself, and Jesus even says to love our enemies. That's really hard. Please help us, Jesus. That's hard. But that's how Jesus' authority is expressed. Through the cross, when I was uh, uh, intern, you know, a college uh, in seminary, you have to do a, a internship year, and so I was preaching, and my internship supervisor said, after a while, he said, "You're very clever." He might even said the word "brilliant" at some point. He said, "You're really clever, but where's the meat? Where's the meat?" And I don't know if you guys remember that that whole thing. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Right? Walter Mondale used that uh, against Gary Hart in the 1984 election. Gary Hart had, was nice looking and he had all these neat ideas, but Walter Mondale said, where's the, where's the beef? In other words, where's the heart of the matter? And boy, when my internship supervisor said that, I was like, I felt slain. I felt, but you know, he was saying, you're not preaching about the cross. You're not preaching about the cross. That's the meat. Not the meat sacrificed to idols. That's the core of the message. That Jesus goes to the cross for us. And none of us are worthy where we don't need the cross. We all need the cross of Jesus for forgiveness and for uh, being
being deemed righteous to have eternal life before God. Jesus accomplishes that for us. By his authority, he heals us. And you know what? We have something, a real substance, that helps to remind us of that. A little piece of bread, a little sip of wine that comes into us and reminds us of Jesus' authority on the cross, his love for us, so that we won't get puffed up, but we will build up in love. Come and be nourished by that meal. Amen. Thank you.